0: Welcome, everybody, back to episode fifty-seven of Star Wars Bookworms. I'm one of your hosts, Teresa Delgado, and with me is my co-host, Aaron Goins. Hey, Aaron, it's been a while since we've done a show.
1: It's definitely been a while. We've had so much going on in our our side lives that we have regular know, con- regular life.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I moved to a new house. You have school ending as a teacher. You, so you went
0: to Disney World. I
1: went to Disney World, yes. So we did take a little bit of time off from the podcast, but we are back, and we, are, we aren't we are back empty-handed.
0: No, we're not. There's some cool stuff. Plus, it took us a little while to get through these, but I guess first thing, and we haven't gotten a chance to comment on it since it happened, but we were so excited about being nominated that we have to say something. We won and award, and it's pretty awesome because it's the one we wanted. If there was anything we got nominated for, this was the one that we wanted the most. Yes. So we um, we were nominated for a Star Wars podcast award, and we won in the category of favorite literature podcast. And we were up against some other really good book shows, as well as one of the first book shows. That is Jedi Journals, which is run by our friends over there, and we won, and it was pretty cool.
1: We did win. It was crazy. Yeah, I just, I kind of had forgotten about the awards, you know, not that they were going on. I knew they were going on, but I had forgotten when they were announcing, and then I see a tweet of congratulations uh, from one of our listeners, and I was like, what are you congratulating us for right now? Like, I had forgotten you know, because I just being wasn't being awesome, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a it was a surprise, I think, for me that we won. But we did. So we you know want to thank everyone, all of our listeners that went out and voted for us for a Star Wars podcast award. You know, it's it's really cool to win. And I think we said we were going to do something to thank people. We don't have anything prepared. Maybe next episode <laughs> we'll prepare something.
0: Yeah. If somebody but, remembers what we said we were going to do, let us know. <laughs> It may have have involved singing. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember what we said. But I did want to thank Matt Marks. He took the time to send us an email just to congratulate us on winning one of the podcast awards. So thanks, Matt. Thanks for being a loyal, awesome listener.
1: Yes, and uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films, good show. Good show. But... (laughs) (laughs) so
0: we're gonna need you to correct your intro <laughs> so, we need one that that where you're saying that we are the official literature podcast yeah, i don't, I don't know if
1: we got a we don't i don't think we got a <laughs> congratulation message from mark hurleman yet either so you know we'll have to oh, we'll see what that's about but yeah bitter, so,
0: bitterness
1: <laughs> some some nice inner network rivalry going on there but Yeah, we love
0: you guys. Really, we do. Well, also um, the book club can't talk book club. It has been pretty silent, um, as far as I know, because I haven't said anything. Well, it's silent
1: when you don't go there, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) You need to join us from time to time.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, So I should because I have Bloodline and I haven't read it. And we're thinking Bloodline for June, right? June hasn't started yet. It's, it's fairly close to starting. Depending on then when this episode it, airs, it exactly. may have started.
1: But <laughs> yes, yeah, so we, we had a Twilight Company for, I think that was kind of more a March slash April.
0: Oh, I remember why I couldn't read Twilight Company. I don't have it. Don't have it. Can't we'll read have, it.
1: We'll have to get you a copy of that.
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened with that one.
1: But yeah, so that was, we had some good discussion there in the in the uh, book club for Twilight Company. Um, it has been a little quiet over there now because I think everyone finished up on Twilight Company and we hadn't announced a new book. But now that Bloodline's been out for a little while now, um, almost a month, uh, I think June would be a good time to read Bloodline um, for the book club. So we'll get that set up. Anyone that wants to, you know, if you were kind of wondering what the next book is, uh, we're probably going to keep sticking with the new releases as they come out, but I know there will be some downtime in between some releases that we might be able to jump back to some of the the older, um, even Legends novels from time to time. But, yep, June is going to be Bloodline, and that's over at Goodreads.
0: So, news-wise, there's not a lot of major news, but the Poe Dameron comic is going. Uh, my mom is actually buying me every issue of that one. So I haven't read it yet, but I do own them, so that's kind of cool.
1: I have not read them yet either, but I'm excited to. I'm trying to get caught up on everything, you know, as far as the Star Wars books and comics go, but that's one that I might start reading before the trade paperback comes out and actually actually read the individual issues. Oh, really? Maybe. I did it for Kanan for a while, although I kind of stopped. Um, but for Poe Dameron, I'm at least curious enough to read the first few issues, Before waiting for the trade. Mm -hmm. uh, Just to kind of see how it
0: is. I'm not going to pile more stuff on myself right now. (laughs) I'm going to wait until after my Disney trip. To sort of figure that out. But I know that they announced. That there are Force Awakens comics coming in June. As well as a Han Solo comic. And the Force Awakens one. May have me reading issue by issue.
1: Really? See Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm not. I've never been a big fan of, you know, even novelizations of the movies, comic adaptions. I I don't know. I've, I have I kind of... I'm not a big fan of a, the same story being told.
0: Yeah, but, but see, we already know what it is. So it's not like you're having to wait for a plot twist.
1: That's what I like waiting for.
0: Yeah, but see, so that's why I, write, I like reading them in the trades, because then I don't have to wait, because it's already there.
1: <laughs> True. I see what you're saying. Yeah, the... I don't know. I these I will probably. I don't even. Are we planning on reviewing them in the show? I don't know.
0: Well, Mm. if we do, it'll be further on. We do have a schedule. Whether we keep to it or not is another question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I will probably at least take a look at them to see what the art looks like and see if they include scenes that aren't in the movies. Um, Mm, But I'm mm -hmm. not. You know, so I probably will read them, but I'm just not super excited about them because it's not a new story. It's a story we already.
0: But. It's better than having another Luke Leah Han story. Yeah. As we've talked about before.
1: <laughs> Although Han and Leia are gonna be in it, right?
0: Well, you can't avoid that. No?
1: <laughs> so I know there's a cool scene in the novel about um Unkar Plot getting his arm ripped off, I think, something like that.
0: Well that's neat.
1: So maybe that's in the comic. Chewbacca doesn't. Spoiler Chewbacca alert. Doesn't. <laughs>
0: Chewbacca doesn't get his arm ripped off anyway.
1: <laughs> no, Chewbacca rips the other guy's arm off. Like oh. like, like Wookiees tend to do.
0: Oh, like on Lego, Star Wars. Got it, got it. Right,
1: right. So Yeah, so that stuff's coming out. Um and then one other item that kind of just happened yesterday, I think, and it's kind of all the buzz right now about Star Wars Rebels, is um Dave Filoni posted a picture of the side of a book and then did, you know, kind of a cryptic tweet, there's always truth in legends, the quote from Ahsoka. Um, and so that has everybody jumping and saying, Oh, that he must be referring to a major legends character coming into the, into the rebels, you know, TV show. Um, as far as people are even looking through their entire book collection, trying to compare the picture to their books and see what book he took a picture of. Um, because all that's in the, in the picture is the star Wars logo. Um, but not the title of the book. So you, you don't even know which book it is that he took a picture of. Um, but upon comparison, many people were convinced that it is heir to the empire, which would, you know, it might mean nothing really. I don't know. Have, did you even catch this going on yesterday?
0: I did not. Um, but I'm looking at the tweet right now and I don't trust Dave Filoni for two sh- seconds. <laughs> So he can tweet whatever he wants because I don't believe anything he says <laughs> until it shows up on screen. I
1: think there. I think it means something that he te- that he uh, tweeted that. I think it does mean there will be some element from Legends that will be represented in Rebels, but it's nothing new for Clone mm-hmm. Wars and Rebels to bring in elements from Legends, and it does look like that is heir to the Empire um, that he took a picture of. So. Does that mean like everyone's just jumping to the conclusion that it's going to be Thrawn that he's bringing in because there was rumors about that anyways? Um, does that mean Thrawn's going to be in Rebels? I don't know. I don't. I definitely don't think it confirms anything. Um, but it could be something as simple as they have a ship called the Chimera you know, or something like that. Um, you know, it's just something very small. That would be cool. <laughs> but I don't know, like, it kind of opens the bigger question. I'm kind of curious to hear your take on it. Is, you know, with a character like Thrawn, um, who has a very established history in the Legends universe, um, is that something that, and maybe not even Thrawn, because I know you, you didn't really read a lot of the post-Return of the Jedi stuff, You mean none. Um, (laughs) So I don't know how familiar you are, even with. I know nothing
0: about Thrawn except for the fact that he's blue. That's all I know. Oh, so many of our and that his name is Thrawn. (laughs) So many (laughs) of our listeners right
1: now are like, "Oh, how do you not know Thrawn?" Um, Yeah,
0: well, I know who Bane is.
1: Yes, well, and Bane's a good example, even of some kind of this happening. Yeah, they brought
0: in Bane first. Ha 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 ha. They they brought
1: they brought Bane into the Clone Wars, but he was a very different representation of the character
0: that's true but i have talked that over with drew carpish and we're okay with
1: so how do you feel about you know them bringing some of you know our favorite legends characters into canon but changing either maybe not changing or changing uh some things we know about them would you rather them leave these characters alone and just let them be the legends characters that they are or do you like them bringing them into canon
0: i don't care either way doesn't matter to me um I had a connection to Bane, and so I was a little bit taken aback, and I was kind of like, oh, that's different, but cool. And after I talked to Drew about it, and he kind of expressed his opinions and how he sort of saw it, and we went through the process of trying to come up with our rationalization, I guess, of why the character would be that way. And we were like, yeah, that's good. That fits. We're, it was fine, you know, so I don't really care. Um, with Thrawn and some of these other characters, it wouldn't matter me in the slightest because I don't know anything about them. Right. So not knowing anything about them is actually probably to my benefit because I'm going to be able to accept it for what it is and not be upset if it's different or know if it's different until someone tells me that it's different.
1: Yeah. I know when they first had the announcement of the, you know, of Legends becoming a thing and all of the EU kind of becoming an alternate, uh, reality in a sense. Um, and that they weren't going to continue on with those stories. And a lot of discussion did come up early on about, oh, well, what if they bring some characters into canon? What would people think about that? And I know early on, I did not like the idea. I thought, you know what? They're legends characters. Let them stay that way. And let's create new characters for the new canon. But I'm kind of changing my opinion on that um, you know, even with someone like Quinlan Voss, who, you know, was very, uh, a very popular character in the legend stories, they brought him into clone wars and, you know, they kept a lot of the elements of that character, but they changed stuff very drastically as well. And I, I'm fine with that now. Like at first I was a little like, Oh no, you're, you're messing with one of my favorite characters, but I'm kind of seeing it now as, you know what, this is just a different version of that character, a different take on that character and, you know, I kind of like to see another take on that. So I'd be cool if they brought some of these, you know, elements from *Air of the Empire into Rebels um, just to see what Filoni's take on Thrawn would be or maybe other characters that would be in that book.
0: Well, here's the thing is that it's all art, right? Books are art. Comics are art. Movies, TV shows, it's all art. And the people that are creating them are going to interpret that art in a different way. So it's the same as taking a Harry Potter novel and turning it into a book. It's not going to be, or turning into a book, <laughs> turning it into a movie. It's not going to be exactly what you have pictured in your head. And the thing with books is that every single person will interpret every single character differently. We've talked about that before, even with like, Lost Stars, you and I interpreted the characters differently in the way that we saw them in our heads. And then we got the official image of what she looks like. The name is escaping me right now. Sienna Ree. Um, We got an image of what she looks like, and it still doesn't match the image of the character that was in my head. So it's kind of... One of those things with books is that you're never going to get exactly what you have envisioned. You're never going to get the exact characterization of that character. Because no matter what they say or what they do in the book, you're creating that character in your mind, which is the great thing about books. But then they put them into TV and into movies and then, you know, it's almost like that's supposed to be the right version. And a lot of people say that about books and movies, but I never adhere to that. I'm very good, and I think we've talked about this before, I'm very good at being able to separate that this is the movie character because that's how the director saw it versus the character I have in my own head. Yeah. So it's just the same thing as like turning, you know, um, oh, what's it called? What is the Inferno, which is the newest, I guess, um, Robert Langdon book from the Da Vinci Code series and stuff, Inferno into a film, you know, or the Da Vinci Code into a film, because the Robert Langdon that Tom Hanks plays is very different from the Robert Langdon in my head. I still love him, but it's just different.
1: Yeah. And Game of Thrones does it. Walking Dead does it. You know, there's two, mm-hmm. you know, there's the books in the movies. Walking Dead, there's the comics in the show, you know, it's, and you know, it's two separate stories that have elements that are similar, but you have to be able to separate them and enjoy them both separately. And I think Legends is a little different, just because it's—I hate to use the word "dead," but it—you know—they're not continuing that story on. Uh, so it's kind of like this is the only place that these characters can live now. If if you want to hear more about Thrawn, or if you want to hear more about someone like Quinlan Voss. You know, the only chance now is to have them brought into canon, because they're not going to continue on with legends, at least as far as we know. You know, maybe some sometime down the road, but for now, there are no plans to continue on with those characters. So why not bring them into canon just so we can see more about them?
0: Right. Well, it's the same as Lord of the Rings. I mean, Tolkien's not going to write another book. (laughs) He's not alive. So (laughs) the only way that Legolas and Frodo and all of them are going to live on as if they're in movies or cartoons or whatever it is that they choose to do. And the same is true for Harry Potter. I mean, there are no new Harry Potter books coming out, and the play, the book adaptation of the play does not really count. Oh, it doesn't? So, no, it's not an official book. Even J.K. Rowling said it's not an official book. It's just the adaptation of the play. So it's not... You know, the play is the play. It's not necessarily considered official story until she would write a book. Oh. So she's doing it. That's something we can talk about
1: on uh, Harry Potter (laughs) bookworms. Harry Potter (laughs)
0: bookworms, yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I guess I I understand where everybody's coming from, but it's just that ability to accept what it is that's in front of you and being able to accept the creative license that people want to take. And Definitely. whether or not you can accept it or not. Yeah.
1: So I say bring it on. I <laughs> say bring it <on. laughs> But we did. Um, We've been rotten. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we uh, we did get some emails. Uh, so we did want to read them before we moved on to our book reviews. We, we do are- have.
0: We have a lot of emails. And so we're not going to get to everybody in this episode. So if you haven't heard your email, you will hear it. It's just going to be on um, an episode or two coming up.
1: All right, and so I did ask Matt Marks to send me an email personally. You know, you I, was, did. I was like, oh, he always seems like he sent an email to Teresa. I'm like, Wait, why don't you send an email to me? So he did. He came through. So um, do I get to read this one? Or should you read it? No, you read it. Okay. Or so. does,
0: is that awkward?
1: <laughs> no, I think it's good. So he sent it to me, so I should read it, right? So he says, an email for Aaron. Dear Aaron. In parentheses, Teresa can listen too, but Aaron requested an email geared towards him. And then he says, I fell behind a bit on your podcast, so I'm an episode behind. I just heard your challenge to write an email just for you. How are you? How is your family? You have a son, right? I'm racking my brain, but can't remember if you have a son or daughter. Is he old enough to watch Star Wars? If so, what did he think about The Force Awakens? I have actually emailed your show a few times before, talking about the Jeffrey Brown books. Uh, Darth Vader and Son, etc. My son Timothy is currently obsessed with Daniel's Tiger Neighborhood, the animated Mr. Rogers spinoff on PBS. Every once in a while, I ask if he wants to watch Star Wars Rebels or I just start an episode of Rebels or Clone Wars, but he says in his toddler voice, no Star Wars, Daniel Tiger. I'll have to keep working on that without being too forceful. My wife and I are going to attend our first convention next month, Minneapolis Comic Con. Any suggestions? May the force be with you. So thanks, Matt, for sending me the email. To uh, answer your question, my family's fine. We're great. Um, I do have a son. I also have a daughter. Uh, My son is very much into Star Wars right now. In fact, uh, as soon as I walk in the door from work every day, he uh, gives me a nice force push and uh, usually challenges me to a lightsaber battle. And he did see The Force Awakens with me. um, And he did enjoy it. I actually posted his review of it on my Facebook page recently. So if you want to check that out. Um, so, yeah. Um Never heard of Daniel T- Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood.
0: Oh, it's awesome.
1: So maybe I'll it's have to so check good. that
0: out. I love Daniel the Tiger. He was my favorite character from Mr. Rogers.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, my son enjoys those type of shows as well. So maybe I'll introduce him to that as an alternative. But he does like watching... Uh, Rebels and Clone Wars and anything Star Wars. So there you go. Daniel
0: Tiger. Daniel Tiger.
1: Oh, he asked if we had any suggestions about convention. Uh, Well,
0: he probably already went.
1: Yeah, I guess by the time we got this. Yeah, so hopefully you had a good time. We missed out on actually giving you any convention suggestions. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. Next email. All right.
0: Yeah, the next email is from John, and he says, Bravo, Star Wars bookworms. Bravo. Cannot believe I fell for your April Fool's joke. Carabast.
1: <laughs> I like that. Carabast. That's like my favorite Star Wars word.
0: And it was a good April Fool's joke. It was. It was. So, like I said in my tweet, y'all were in fact my gateway drug into Star Wars podcast. I've been listening to Bookworms for a good two years now, and your conversations are always interesting and informed. Heck, the recording of your DragonCon panel in 2014 was one of the reasons I wound up going in 2015 and buying my ticket for 2016. I first saw Star Wars A New Hope as an eight-year-old in Panama in 1977, but it wasn't until two years later when I read the Alan Dean Foster novelization that I really fell into Star Wars fandom. Ergo, my love of Star Wars books and comics. I've always listened to Bookworms on my Apple TV, and on the screen at the bottom... Were links to other Star Wars podcasts like Tashi Station, Skywalking Through Neverland, etc. When y'all had Bria on 18 months ago or so, I started listening to Tashi Station and then Skywalking Through Neverland and then Fangirls Going Rogue. Wow. Third? <laughs> third! Okay. That's fine. And then Hyperspace Series and then, well, I think you get the picture. I'm not seeing Disney Vault Talk in there and I'm also... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was
1: like, I'm waiting for you to say the Disney Vault Talk plug.
0: <laughs> and then he said it's three degrees of star wars podcasting separation anywho keep up the awesome work and i'm looking forward to your future podcast all the best john one jedi p.s seriously though if y'all do start a harry potter bookworms podcast count me in as a listener well you know what i want to do we it.
1: have one listener all right. i have
0: in one person who wants to actually record that
1: <laughs> we did say we'll do at least one episode so
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We'll have we have to, to do, do a, that.
1: We'll have to do. We'll wait for some big Harry Potter. There's happenings. not
0: going to be big Harry Potter happenings. What, okay. Isn't
1: that play coming out? We can do like a review. No, the play
0: is the... coming out in in England.
1: But they're gonna have it. the the adapt like the book version of the the play, right?
0: Yeah, which I haven't decided if I'm actually gonna read or not, considering it's not going to be like official. It's not
1: canon. <laughs> <laughs> so, look at you caring about canon. Hey, I'm proud. it's Harry Potter. Okay. It's it's like, different, right? It's different. <laughs> but he did mention some of your other shows there. That and I wanted to, i I forgot to do it at the opening, but I kind of did want to mention that you were part of another award of the Star Wars Podcasting Award. You, you guys won for Fangirls Going Rogue, uh, best um, ensemble cast, right? Yes. Sweet. So, so you have two Sweet. two podcast awards. I only have one.
0: Ha ha. <laughs> <kidding. laughs> You need to do another Star Wars podcast and not that silly, timey-wimey thing you do. Just kidding.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> do another Star Wars podcast, but you cannot be involved because then you, you can't win the same awards as me. You know, I have to oh, that's right. myself. Cause you, so.
0: Yeah. Well, then you can't do another Star Wars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So our next email is from Gary Goodman. He says, hello, Teresa and Aaron. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. I just finished listening to the latest episode and I have a theory on why Darth Vader didn't recognize his lightsaber or have any connection to the crystal. In the last episode of rebels season two, Darth Vader told Ahsoka that he killed Anakin Skywalker. I believe that Darth Vader cut off all force connections that Anakin had with the exception of Ben Kenobi. Hard to, hard to let go of the person who sliced and diced your perfect body. Okay. Uh, the old lightsaber and crystal were from the light side and that part of Vader doesn't exist anymore. Keep up the good work, and I'm glad you're not ending to start Harry Potter podcasting. Find me at Gary, and he's he wants us to find him at Gary Solo at Tops Trading App. I'm actually not doing trading cards anymore. Can you believe that, Teresa? I stopped. What? Yeah, I did. It was it was becoming too much of an addiction, and I I downloaded the Walking Dead card trader app, and I was like, this is too much. So. I still
0: have it, and I'm only working on the 8-bit cards, but that's all. And not even, like, trying to get them all. I just sort of get on. If there's a new one, I get it.
1: I think I'm going to just kind of do that that approach. I'm going to keep the app on my phone. I deleted the Walking Dead one. It was just too Good, much. Good,
0: because that was ridiculous. But
1: I'm going to keep the app on my phone in a folder somewhere that it's not even on my front page, and I will, from time to time, maybe check it out. But, yeah, I was getting too... It was becoming too much of an obsession. So much time. So... Sorry, Gary. Sorry, Gary Solo. I won't be trading cards with you on the card app anytime soon, but...
0: I um, like his theory, except for I think that that theory doesn't work because we see his connection to Anakin with his relationship with Luke um, as we get into, like, Return of the Jedi.
1: And maybe Luke reawakened that connection?
0: Maybe. Maybe Um, so.
1: I I'd like the theory. It kind of does make sense that... I like specifically the part where he says that that specific crystal was part of the light side Mm -hmm. so when he had when he had kind of um i don't know like there's some kind of connection going on there that the the jedi has with the crystal uh through the force and i think when he did kind of disavow the light side he maybe did sever that connection to that crystal which would make it so he wouldn't recognize the lightsaber it's i mean it's a good enough explanation i guess sure i like it yeah
0: all right, and our, I think this is our last one for this episode. Yes, it's from Mark Mulcaster. He says, greetings from across the pond. I'm just outside of London, to be more precise. I can't do a good British accent, yeah. so I'm not going to try. Me just thought I'd chime in with my thoughts on Star Wars Volume 1. I've got to say I'm with Teresa. I really don't think that having Vader meet Luke any anytime before The Empire Strikes Back is anything other than a really obvious marketing ploy and, more disappointingly, also lazy storytelling. Skipping over Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which had a whole different motivation. In Vader Down, there's a ship-to-ship confrontation, which I think is more plausible as it's not literally face-to-face. I think it's also the same with Boba Fett meeting Luke on Tatooine. It's an enjoyable read and you kind of have to just take it as it is really. Not to say Luke versus Fett couldn't have happened, but in in close quarters combat at that point in Luke's Jedi training fairly non-existent, I'd put my money on Fett. I also think that encounters like that whilst probably sell more issues also make for a smaller universe. I also picked up on the Shatterpoint reference in Kanan Volume 1, which is a great nod towards legacy storylines and makes great opportunity slash excuse for people who may not have read the book to go back and read it. Teresa, as they say, (laughs) there's always truth in legend. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thought I'd keep it brief. Love what y'all are doing and how you're doing it. Wish that you could make it to Celebration London. Me too. But might see you at the following one, wherever that may be. Orlando. My best mark.
1: Yes, Orlando. Orlando. So, yeah, I that's a great email. Some good insights there. Um, I agree with you on the whole Fett versus Luke thing. Shouldn't, mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, and Teresa, we definitely got to get Shatterpoint on your reading list. Maybe we'll do that in... Uh, We'll do that as a book club's book or a book Yeah, you do book. realize
0: I have to go and find those and get them, right? Their availability is not huge.
1: Uh, paperback on Amazon. You could probably find it for five bucks.
0: Yeah, but buying through Amazon, waiting for it to arrive. Oh,
1: my goodness. I'll send you a copy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it always turns out that way. But yeah. So thanks for the emails, everybody. Um, there were a couple we weren't able to get to, but we will jump on those next show. But we have some reviews. We we have some reviews of books that have been a long time coming, I think.
0: Right, because we've done the first two. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about the Servants of the Empire books by Jason Fry. And we have finished them up, the last two. So we're going to be talking about Servants of the Empire, Imperial Justice, and The Secret Academy. Both written by Jason Fry. Both published by Disney Lucasfilm Press. They were released July 7th, 2015 and October 6th of 2015. And so I'm just going to read these little short synopsis thingies really quick. What if you uncovered a conspiracy that reached to every corner of the Galactic Empire and you were the only one who knew about it? This action-packed junior novel tells an original story of intrigue, espionage, and coming of age, all set in the world of Star Wars Rebels. As a new student at at Lothal's Imperial Academy, Zerleonis does everything it takes to pass a model cadet, but he is a hidden enemy among Imperial loyalists. Determined to discover the truth about his missing sister and bring down the Empire, luckily he has a tech savvy girlfriend. What did we decide her name was? Marie. Marie, by his side, willing to help him however she can, even if it means dealing with criminals in the shadiest parts of the capital city. In the meantime, Zare must face down a dangerous foe of his own, Captain Rodents, who seems bent on pushing Zare to his breaking point. Join these rebellious cadets as they risk everything to take on the fearsome Empire. So, we're going to be talking about the last two books in the series, so if you haven't read any of the secret um, servants of the Empire, then you should probably hit pause. Unless
1: you don't plan to read them at all, and then you can just listen to us talk about them. Sounds good. Uh, we are going to be full of spoilers on this.
0: Yeah, and we're one of the only shows that's actually covering these. And I'm really glad we did because I love the story. It helps to continue Star Wars Rebels during the off period of time, which is really fun. And I really love Rebels, so do you. So it was very, it's fun to be able to interact with those characters, even though we're not interacting with the Rebels characters directly for most of the books.
1: Yes, and these are because they're junior novels, they're short. And I like that about them, <laughs> you know, as much as I love reading full length, uh, you know, Del Rey novels, it's nice every once in a while to kind of take a break from that and read something that's not a huge commitment. You know, you can just, you can blast through it in a day or two, um, and without putting a lot of time into it, just, you know, it might take a couple hours to read through it if you just do it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoy that about these, um, fun stories, but Specifically for these two novels, it kind of finishes up. It's a four part series and finishes that up. Um, and I don't know, like what we have so many, I guess a lot of different things we could talk about. Anything you want to kind of jump into?
0: Well, I know that Zare and Marie's breakup kind of hit you. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> no. I don't know, like, that part, I think, yeah, I did text you um, at that moment as I'm reading through the book because I just, I don't know, like, it was kind of sad. It happened, you know, The it's kind of an interesting relationship, these two characters, Zare and Marie, because especially in these two books, they're pretty much not together at mm-hmm. all. You know, they're separate. You know, Zare's, you know, off doing the Academy thing. Marie's at home running away from, you're know, helping out this underworld organization at the same time she's trying not to get caught by the Empire and her own mother and so they're kind of two separate you know stories going on um, but yeah I guess because of that separ- separation and distance they just you know they had a breakup and they had a, a breakup I don't even scene I think it
0: was that that it was they broke up because of the fact that they could not share anything with each other. And they couldn't share anything with each other because of the Empire listening in on conversations. And so when you don't have that ability to communicate, it affects your ability to understand each other and to have a relationship.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it wasn't even that I had was, like, super invested in their relationship. In most of these type of books, when it's younger characters, like... I don't really get invested in those kind of relationships because I know that when you're at that point in your life, you're a teenager, those type of relationships tend to not last, um, anyways. What are you talking
0: about? <laughs> Everybody marries their high school sweetheart.
1: It happens. It does happen. But most, more often than not, those relationships tend to, to not last. So I don't get invested in it. But, you know, I just, I guess that specific breakup scene and kind of how it happened it was sad. It did. It was kind of like, uh uh-huh. It
0: was sad because it was actually very believable the way that it was written it wasn't written in a way to where it seemed cheesy or that it seemed forced it was just very natural but it was also very emotional but marie marie kind of had this sort of potential love interest going on with this other guy that was involved in the crime syndicate at the same time as she was
1: yeah didn't was really
0: go anywhere name? Jix, I think.
1: Jix, yeah. That was weird. That that was something that stuck out to me. It was almost, it almost felt like they wanted to introduce Jix as that third character that could be, you know, the whole love triangle thing that you get in a lot of these young reader books. Um, But then it didn't ever develop. Like, it, it very much, you know, it seemed like she kind of had a thing for him and he kind of liked her. But then they never really, they never really explored that at all
0: which is how a lot of relationships at that age are. Plus she was very focused on what she was doing and she was really trying to protect herself.
1: I guess for me it was more like why even introduce the possibility unless you're going to at least at least go down that road a little bit. Like we had talked about in Remember Lost Stars and they kind of did the same thing where you had the two characters that were very much the couple but then you had that guy that was kind of like interested but they never really did too much with it, but you, they at least talked about the possibility, Mm -hmm. you know, where she was just like, yeah, I'm not that into him. And he kind of, you know, approached her a few times, but then it just never, you know, it kind of fizzled out because she Mm -hmm. wasn't interested with Jix. It was like, they kept hinting at like, they're like, Oh, she, her face felt warm because she was embarrassed or whatever, but they never really, her and Jix never had a conversation about anything.
0: Yeah, well, you can think of people that, that that has happened with or that you know that's happened with in real life, you know, where yep. there's no conversation. I mean, it, it's, it's it more, happens.
1: It does, it does, in real life. But this, I guess, in, in fiction, uh, it's more like you introduce certain things for a reason, and I felt like that just never was explored. So mm. for me as a reader, it just it fell flat.
0: And never, there was an observation I made, finally, there is a character on the Imperial side named, I forget if they were a captain or a general or whatever, but it was Kurahi. Kurehi, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a girl, right? Kurehi was a girl. And she was the one that was having them run up, like doing all their morning running and stuff and running up all these hills and stuff. And in World War II, the American soldier, soldiers, different groups of them, would train on a hill called Currie, that they would run up. Yeah. And I was like, "Hey, Band of Brothers!" <laughs>
1: yes, I did. I did remember that from Band of Brothers. That, I loved the the TV series Band of Brothers, so that did that did jump out to me as well. Cool reference. I'm sure a lot of people might not have picked up on it.
0: So I guess let's get into some of the book that – so what happens here. In these last two, basically, Zare is trying really hard to figure out what has happened to his sister. Marie is trying to help him through hacking and splicing into networks and trying to figure out where she's gone. They discover that she went to – god, I'm forgetting the name of it now – a different sort of like secret Imperial Academy, which –
1: Secret Academy, either.
0: huh? <laughs> well, I don't remember what the name of it is.
1: I don't either. It's not. Yeah, I've in the notes here. I have a lot of things, but I don't have that. So yeah, I don't. And remember. so he
0: wants to get transferred there, and then he ends up getting transferred to that to that place, and that's where he's going to go, because there's another cadet that's trying to screw him out of you know and basically get him kicked out of the Empire. But he ends up getting him kicked out of the Empire instead.
1: <laughs> yeah, they... Yeah, did they... I'm trying to remember. Okay, so he ends up going to the new Academy. But the other guy, I think his name was Olet or no. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's Beck, his other friend.
0: Beck Olet is his other friend. This is... Um, is it Oleg? Oleg. With a G? Yeah.
1: Yeah. he He didn't end up going to the new... No, because right? he got kicked out. That's right. Because, yeah... Because he, they found out that his relatives were involved in some kind of smuggling.
0: Right, and he. So the cadets end up being the ones that are going and enforcing imperial rule on Mithal, and so this guy that Zara has a has a rivalry with. You know, he's trying to say that Zara's too soft and that Zara's not imperial quality, and that you know he has You have to crack down. Well, they go and they find this sort of smuggler's ring of of stuff going on, and it ends up being Oleg's family, and he doesn't crack down on them, so Zare busts them with Captain Rodins and they end up kicking him out.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was one moment where you know I've I like Zare as a character, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like. Sometimes I feel like his interactions with other people, he he tends to have a bit of an angry streak Mm -hmm. and that was almost very, it was almost cruel what he did with Oleg there. I know Oleg's been a complete jerk to him the whole time, but at the same time, I felt like, wow, that was, that was kind of cold to kind of do, to do that to him.
0: But I think Zara had to do that because he had to be able to prove that he deserved to be in the Empire because he was really close to being kicked out. And if he got kicked out, he wasn't going to be able to figure out what happened to his sister. So at that point, you know, it was kill or be killed.
1: Yeah. And um, you had talked about them. So going to the new Secret Academy, um, that's when I started to feel like, remember when I was comparing the books to Harry Potter?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember, like now that he went to this academy, I started to get that feeling again where I started to feel the just similarities that Hogwarts. Yeah. Kind of like how, you know, Harry shows up at Hogwarts and he's kind of an outsider at first. And, you know, the different people that have already established themselves there. Um, I don't know. It just, I started to get some similar overtones. Did Um, he get
0: sorted into Gryffindor?
1: (laughs) Well, he did get kind of, you know, he, he got, um, you know, there's this special group of of cadets there that, you know, they wanted to kind of recruit him. Um they were almost like the Slytherin, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it was just it wasn't a bad thing at all. You know, it just I just started to get those those same kind of feelings again.
0: Yeah. I mean and I think we had, we referenced that in the first one with the way there was like three of them, because there was Beck and there and um, Marie, um, so Ron and Harry and Hermione and things like that.
1: Yeah, and I really liked this location they went to. I thought it was uh, the one thing I wasn't enjoying much about these books was um, how it was, a lot of it was set in the academy that, that Zare's at, and then Marie's doing all the stuff on Lothal, but it's all very you know, they're in the city, they're, they're not in very fantastical type locations,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so this when they went to this place and it's like you know, the stormy weather and it's next to whatever ocean that has this creature in it and all this stuff. I started to be like, okay, this is more, this feels like a fantasy, you know, sci-fi fantasy, which Star Wars is, um, you know, that, that for me was something I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I never really had an issue with the setting, but you had mentioned that before, I think.
1: It was just a little too bland for me. Mm-hmm. And like just them coming here, um, it got a little more exciting for me. You know, the secret organization and then, you know, General Hux or not General Hux, but a <laughs> common, Commandant Hux shows up and, you know, they have this tower that's out in kind of the middle of the ocean with some creature that's there. And just, I don't know, it just started to get really cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cool. I wish all the books were like this.
0: Commandant Brendal Hux is sort of interesting. Well, yeah. Considering the last name of Hux. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was the big, and that had kind of been spoiled um, because I had read this book, you know, far enough away from the release date that people had already started talking about, you know, there being a connection to The Force Awakens, and then it came out that it was Hux. And I wasn't sure exactly what the connection was going to be, and I actually expected it to be something very small, just a mention. But the Mm -hmm. fact that it was a a character um, that I think, you know, it's a pretty strong connection I think to The Force Awakens not only just the fact that you know Commandant Hux uh, we would assume would be a relation to uh Hux that we see in The Force Awakens but even like his Hux's um you know kind of theory on soldiers and how to train them mm-hmm. you know you can definitely see how that had an influence on the way that the stormtroopers are in The Force Awakens so I that I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah. So basically at this secret academy they're killing off force sensitive kids, right?
1: Um I wasn't really clear on cuz I guess the inquisitor is the mm-hmm. one that started this I guess this whole idea of and I'm I'm blanking on I wish I could remember the names of like the even the program that 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 was. But they, you know, he's Basically kidnapping people that have force potential and bringing them to this place. Now, I don't. I still didn't feel like it was clear on what the purpose was. If he was just trying to keep them out of the fray, trying to turn them to the dark side. I don't know. But he ends up dying. The Inquisitor does, as we all saw in Rebels. So it's it's almost like these. You know, Dara was kind of left there. You know, mm-hmm. without a purpose. On Arcanus. Ar- on Arcanus.
0: That's the name of it. Is it?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because I feel like I'm reading Bloodline right now and I feel like there's a character that's from Arcanus in that. Hmm. Cool. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really understand. I don't think they ever really got into what the plan was for her because the Inquisitor, because he was killed, it never really reached fruition. Hmm. Unless I'm just forgetting, which I don't know. Did you, were you like how did you were you maybe more clear on that or were you as confused as I was?
0: Um I was a little bit confused, but I'm pretty sure they're getting rid of four sensitives. Now, I mean, obviously the grand inquisitor was killed and Zare learns that from his I guess what he would call his friend Lieutenant Chiron. Um, I think is the name. Of that guy, but you know, it's like I don't know. I guess I kind of lost it. <laughs> like what they were supposed to be doing, but she definitely is a force sensitive. That's true.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was kind of expecting that they were going to go find this place and there was going to be like a bunch of force sensitives there that had all been captured. Um, but you know, it, it really wasn't the case. They they just found her. And that's mm-hmm. all. So I don't know. Maybe she was the beginning of something that never really grew into something bigger because of the Inquisitor's death. Um, I kind of think. I almost feel like they weren't planning on killing her more than just making it so she couldn't help out the rebellion. So keep her in a prison, and then hopefully maybe turn her to the dark side. Maybe she would become an Inquisitor eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah.
0: Well, if it helps, I just found that. Un- Wikipedia, that Brendal Hux had a son who became a general in the First Order.
1: Okay, so that's we're, so we're assuming this is um, Hux, Hux that we see in The Force Awakens this is his father?
0: This is his father. Okay. So. Ooh, yeah. Interesting. I am your father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the biggest thing here in this academy on Arcanus is that everything is about how you do, like, academically. If you don't do good, you're going to die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Like, um, you know, the, the the stakes were definitely raised at this academy um, as far as, you know, they were just killing people. It wasn't mm-hmm. a matter of, you know, oh, you're going to get kicked out of the, the academy now. It's more, hey – if you don't cut it or if you're doing something that's uh, hurting the progress of our secret society, you know, we're going to just wipe you out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. And, you know, Zare had to because he was trying to infiltrate into this, you know, this group that um, Hux was, you know, had his little secret group. And because he was trying to infiltrate, he had to pretend that he killed somebody, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, they did the whole. He had a friend, a uh, kind of a friend there that they basically assigned him to kill. Like, hey, you know, you're gonna have to kill this guy to prove your loyalty, and then he he ends up helping the guy escape off planet, and then uh, and then pretending, you know, pretending that he killed him. So, yes,
0: I think Marie did a great job with the Gray Syndicate. I don't know if you like, she was kind of the third book, which is Imperial Justice. I think was mostly about her because she it was all about her infiltrating into the gray syndicate and kind of becoming this guy's sort of go-to little minion person and then she ends up having to behind everybody's back sort of turn them in to protect herself from it being discovered that she's the one that hacked into the imperial network because her mom is the one that's investigating it and she ends up getting the leader of the Grey Syndicate killed because she activates this, like, GPS tracking device on her tablet or whatever. And they the Empire comes after her over where she's at and kills that guy. I was like, dang.
1: <laughs> yeah, she really got in over her head, I think. You know, she was really good at what she did and that the, the Grey Syndicate, you know, used her for her talents and then yeah she she quickly had to protect herself and in that process got pretty much the whole gray syndicate got destroyed including the death of the leader which well, she was not you know that wasn't part of the plan no you know she she thought that they were just going to show up and arrest everybody and then she'd be safe but no they came in guns blazing and i think that's part of you know the writer showing us hey Some of these characters don't even realize what they're up against, you know, when it comes to the Empire. You know, they think, oh, yeah, the Empire is just trying to keep everybody organized and, you know, it's just a a force that is trying to keep order. But then, no, if they, you know, if you're a criminal and they come in, sometimes they're not going to ask questions before they start shooting.
0: Right. So, basically, in the Sacred Academy, there ends up being condemned to death because it was his friend that was a stormtrooper that gave him away. Right.
1: Yeah. So his friend Beck, I guess, which we haven't seen him since I forget which novel it happened in, but, um, they had the part where he, he got arrested because he was upset with his family's, I guess it was his family's farm or land had been destroyed, um, for the empire. And, you know, he, and with the help of Zare and Marie, you know, they were kind of all working together, um, in the se- in secret to try to fight against the empire. And he ends up getting arrested. Um, and they didn't really know what happened to him. Um, and so now he, you know, happens to just be at the same place as Zare and recognizes Zare. And I think that's really, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that's kind of how Zare gets outed, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause Beck informs on him. Um, and so yeah, Zare's, he's up against, you know, um, execution at this point and he's he's kind of given into the fact that it's just going to happen
0: except the inevitable
1: yeah there was it was kind of um, I wanted to read just a quick line from the book I thought was interesting or I thought it was just kind of good writing but Zare it, as he's in this tribunal um, he you know kind of his last words they ask if he has anything else to add and this is part of what he says I'm going to be silenced. I'm going to be killed. I know that. But the Empire can't silence all the people like me. It can't kill all the people like me. Or it will be an Empire that rules nothing. That is nothing. And I thought that was kind of a, a cool a cool line there for Zare to say, you know, he knows that he, he knows he's facing death and he's accepted it, but he also knows that that doesn't mean that they are going to stop. Other people aren't going to stop rising up against the Empire. And right. It's it's cool foreshadowing to the rebellion to come.
0: Well, and Zare knows about the Rebels crew. He knows about Ezra and the Ghost crew and all that stuff. So he knows there are other people out there. He knows that it's not just him. And he also knows there are Force sensitives out there because he knows that Ezra is a Force sensitive. So I think it's kind of true that it... Harkens back to the rebellion, but it, I think he there's some truth in that for him because he does know for a fact that there are other people.
1: Right. Yep. He knows that with his death, it doesn't end the rebellion. You know, it's just he's just one person that has that shares the cause with a lot of other people. Um, but he didn't die. You know, no. they're not going to kill off our our main character in a junior novel. So he ends up. You know, getting sent to the prison that he kind of wanted to go to, anyways, because he knew that's where his sister was going to be. And um, you know, through some trickery and manipulation, he gets Beck, um, his friend Beck, who at this point now has been brainwashed to serve the Empire. He gets him in the same cell as him uh, to to present him with his last meal of. Do you say it's called Yogan fruit?
0: Yeah, that's how they say it in the show.
1: Yogan. So, yeah. Um, I thought that, although you know, it worked out for Zare in the end. I did think that was a little bit convenient that they would <laughs> let that happen, um, but yeah, he he basically uses the fruit to snap to snap Beck out of it. You know, the smell of the fruit brings brings Beck's mind back, and like he's like, oh, you know, and then he helps Zare escape and helps uh, also they get Dara. It all happened really fast. I don't know if you know if you felt like it, because I know as it was getting to the end of the book, I'm like, okay, he's going to prison. There's only 20 pages left at most in this book, and I still haven't. We still haven't even met his sister, um, and I was starting to think, man, where are they going with this? I almost feel like there needs to be another book after this. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of whirlwind. Everything kind of happens at the end and, and gets all wrapped up. It felt a little rushed.
0: Yeah, but. That's how the ghost crew works or in this book, the specters,
1: the specters. Yes. Dev Morgan and the specters. Um, Sounds like a band. Yeah. (laughs) I tweeted that the other day. Um, (laughs) did you see that? No, no. (laughs) That's funny. Great minds. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, we get our cameo, I guess we had kind of already gotten a cameo with Zeb, um, that Marie had been talking to Zeb a little bit earlier in the book's but this is where we get kind of our big cameo at the end where not the whole crew shows up, but we get, um, I believe, who's there? Sabine. Sabine. Zeb and uh, Dev Morgan. <laughs> Chopper? Ezra. in Chopper. We got a Chopper cameo earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're all there. Um, Marie had contacted them in an effort to go save Zare because she knew Zare was up for a, a execution. So they were going to come break him out. But, you know, conveniently he had already been broken out. So they were more there just to pick him up, uh, which was, which was a cool little cameo. <laughs> at the end. Pick him up. Yeah. They were his ride off the planet. But
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a cool cameo, but like who else really in that area is around to help get them off the planet? You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's almost needed, you know, in a book that's, Based on the Rebels television series, you almost need to have you know some connection to those characters that we all know. Um, so it was kind of cool that they tied them in at the end, and I'm glad that they weren't all throughout the mm-hmm. books. Although I would love to see books based on these these characters, it was it was kind of cool to explore other characters that weren't those guys. But yeah, so we get we get to see a sister. It's a fa- it's a really quick you know thing that happens. We don't get a lot of lot more information about like we were talking about before, what the plans for her were. But we do get to see her kind of use the Force. You know, she throws rocks on top of the people that were trying to stop them. And uh, his friend Sharon ends up dying because he wouldn't wouldn't get out of the way.
0: Oh, sad face.
1: Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it all wraps up. Zare and his family are, you know, and Marie's family are all safe, safely brought to another planet and you know they're all committed to continuing to help the rebellion and that's kind of where it ends
0: yeah and i think these books are great if you're looking for something that is a quick read and something that continues the rebel story and with really good writing because jason fry is super passionate about star wars and the writing is really good
1: yeah i um i don't know if there's any plans to continue this you know this character story it's kind of a good ending for him I think um, maybe we'll see a cameo like now he you know everyone that we see in this book is part are part of canon so maybe Zare shows up in a, another novel uh, later on down the road as part of the rebellion would be kind of cool uh, maybe Marie shows up um, you know with with some sort of a role in the rebellion you know, the characters are still alive and kicking uh, so we don't know what their ultimate fates are. So I I hope to see these characters show up. I don't know if I want to see more, you know, continued books in this specific series, but I do hope to see them again somewhere.
0: Well, you know, and it's interesting we might because the hideout that the Rebels have in Star Wars Rebels is they're hiding on Garel, right? Which is the planet that they escape Zer and Dara and all their families to. They go to Garel. So it's, it's not outside of the realm that we will see them again in the show.
1: Huh. I hadn't made that connection, but yeah, that, that would make sense. Um, so yeah, maybe we even see him in the show. I was, I was definitely not holding out any hope to see Zare again in the show. I just kind of thought that his, you know, they had used him a few times and we probably wouldn't see him again, but I guess there's always that possibility and it would be cool to see Marie, you know, now that we've read about her and she's a pretty cool character um, to maybe see her fleshed out and actually in the show as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. She might make a really good imperial or imperial rebel officer with everything that she knows how to do and all. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you remember, uh, Ezra says something to the little baby when he's in that episode of Rebels, and he's like, "We're on Garel," and the Seventh Sister's little droid thingy is flying around and she's like we would love to visit you on Gorilla <laughs> ah uh, yeah
1: you're right i didn't i just forgot about that i need to re-watch some of those in those last few episodes of of the rebel season mm-hmm. even the finale i only ever watched once and i and it was such a good finale i just never got a chance to go back and rewatch it i need to do that
0: Yeah, Rebels is such a good story for Star Wars, in my opinion. Because it's not, it's deep, but it's not overly deep. But there's enough information there to keep you really interested in what's going on. Plus, it's helping to tie a lot of stuff together.
1: Yeah, I think, I love what they did with the finale with, you know, a lot of people were getting tired of seeing, you know, Darth Maul keeps showing back up, but I thought that was dude. It was awesome. A cool character, like you know. I've always liked. I like what Rebels did with Darth Maul, and I, I mean, I like what Clone Wars did with Darth Maul. And it started out a little goofy for me with the whole spider legs and all that stuff. But once they r- kind of toned that down and and had and they really started to flesh out that character and kind of his motivations, um, I was excited to see him show back up in Rebels in the role that they had him play. And you know he and we see you know spoiler if you haven't seen the finale yet but he does survive so you know we'll we'll continue to see more of darth maul and i'm i'm fine with that i'm not tired of him yet so no
0: i'm fine with it always always and forever
1: (laughs) but yeah that has nothing to do with these books that we're reviewing but i'd say i don't know what overall across the four books um how how did you feel about about this series
0: I liked it. I really love the story. I actually would kind of like another series sort of like it, but maybe about a different character or something. Yeah. One I of li- these about Poe would be really good.
1: Yeah, we might get it. Maybe eventually. Although they're doing a comic series for him, so maybe maybe that's where we get those stories. But, yeah, I liked it overall. Um, I think the first book for me was the weakest just because it was so focused on the the sports element, and I just <laughs> I kind of tuned out on the... All the football that they were playing but um and i felt like the the last book was the strongest for me Uh, Mm -hmm. that's where it really started to become an enjoyable read um so yeah i think overall it's you know different elements of it weren't my cup of tea but overall i did really enjoy it and i enjoyed the characters and uh hope to see them back in some in some form
0: yeah agreed all right. Well, on our next episode, I don't know if we know exactly.
1: We have um, we in have comics, a lot, right? We have a lot of comic volumes that we could review, and then we have we're a little behind on the novels as far as uh, Twilight Company has been out for a while now. So we'll probably review either a couple comic volumes or Twilight Company, and that's a discussion we can have. But one of those. So read Twilight Company. Make sure you're caught up on that, just in case. And then. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll make a decision on what we'll review, but I don't think we're 100% sure yet.
0: Mm-mm. Yep, so I guess until next time, you can find us on Twitter. We're at SWBookworms. You can also send us an email to starwarsbookworms at gmail.com, and we'll read it on the show.
1: Yep, and you can like us on Facebook. That's where we do the latest updates on uh, books that are coming out, any news that has to do with books and comics. Um, you can find them over at Facebook iTunes, Leave us a review if you haven't done it yet. If you enjoy our show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes. Leave us a nice five-star review. You can find Teresa on Twitter at IceColdPenguin. She's also on Instagram under the same name. And you can find me on Twitter at AVGoins.
0: So until next time. Forgot what I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. So until next time, keep on reading. And may the Force be with you.